Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Perfectly Imperfect podcast. My name is Jamie Schaefer, and I am your host. If you could do me a huge favor and please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and rate the podcast with five stars and review it, then I would be very grateful. This helps other people find the podcast easier when they are searching for podcasts with a certain topic. And this helps other listeners listen to the same messages that you are listening to and enjoy and grow in Jesus. So thank you for helping out. Um, I really appreciate all of you who do listen. Um, Also feel free, like if you feel as though you would like to, to share the a podcast that you like on your um social media that's totally cool as well um so i have had a really full day um it was yard sale day and um of course yard sale day starts very early in the morning and ends late in the afternoon and i have learned a lot about Um, having yard sales over the years. Um, The one year I went through all of my clothes and I priced them and I was a lot younger and had way less responsibilities. So um, the designer clothes were a huge thing for me, (laughs) you know, Abercrombie, Express, American Eagle, etc. Um, and I had my clothes all priced very reasonably, starting at about $15, $15 and under. You guys, um, I didn't sell one thing, not one thing. And like people don't want to pay a lot at yard sales anymore. And um, like they want to pay 50 cents for everything, no matter the name on the tag in the back of the item. <laughs> So um, it was horrible and I have learned that you don't price anything and then you, when they come up and they're like, how much is this? You just throw a number out there and um, how much the item is and then go from there with negotiating the price. Um, I have earned far more money that way doing a yard sale. Um, and, uh, I've also learned that I just want something for all of the hard work of gathering the items and cleaning out my house and something is better than nothing. So if they, if you say, oh, it's $5 and they say, can I give you three? You say yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, because what you don't sell really shouldn't be coming back in the house. It's out. It goes. Um, Whether it's in the trash or a donation, it is leaving. So, um, today was a pretty successful day. And we were all cleaned up by about 3.30, which I feel like is record time. Um, It has gone way further than that before and you're hot and you're tired and you just want to be done. Um, Then um, Brinley and I met my friend for dinner at our favorite local barbecue place called Red's Barbecue. Um, So if you're in central Pennsylvania, that's an amazing place to be at. 
Um, it's just delicious and it was such a nice time because I haven't seen her in a couple of months and it was just great to see her and get caught up and just a really great end to a really fantastic day. Um, so I hope that you guys are having a great weekend here in, um, central Pennsylvania. It was definitely a scorcher today, but it was not, I feel like it wasn't as bad as yesterday was. Um, yesterday was just soupy and I mean, you guys, I love summer, everything about summer, even the soupy days, but yesterday was crazy. I felt like I should have changed my outfit like 20 times. (laughs) Um, it was just, it it was a little overwhelming at times, but today was, it was hot, but it was better. It was dry hot, which I feel like feels better than the other stuff. (laughs) So um, I want to talk about leaving a legacy today. Um, I know that it can be a little bit morbid to think about the legacy that you're going to be leaving someday, but I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and I'm not really sure why, but... Um, I have been, and I think that it has been a topic that has come up in church quite a bit for some reason lately, and so maybe that's been what's triggering me to think about it a bit. Um, I think that I would be remembered as being a strong-willed woman with an opinion about everything and completely not afraid to share that opinion. Um, I would be remembered as having strong perseverance and a never give up attitude, Um, a leader, a woman who stuck up for what is right and good and never backed down on what I believed in, no matter what the circumstances. And these are like all really great qualities and traits to be remembered for, but I would also hope that I would be remembered for how much I love Jesus and how much faith I have in him. So I really would love to leave a legacy of faith. Um, Today, we are going to walk through Hebrews chapter 11. And this chapter talks about the great heroes of the Old Testament who left a wonderful legacy of faith. And they were faithful even when it was tough to be faithful and believed even when it was hard to believe. Um, I attended the prayer service at church on Wednesday and Pastor Shane picked up on our study of Hebrews and this chapter was so amazing. It really made me think of the most important part of my legacy, which is being faithful. It should be really important to us to leave that kind of legacy. It teaches our children and grandchildren how to be faithful as well. And it shows them that being faithful to God is vital to our life and happiness on this earth. It shows them that when times get tough and it seems so hard to go on, that God is going to be faithful to us and provide because we were faithful to him. And I can't wait to talk to you about the legacies of faith that we have to look back at in the Bible as examples of how to leave our own legacies of faith. So are you ready? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. 
Okay, welcome back. If you're not there yet, we are going to be um, at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start with um, the ver- the first verse. Okay, so I'm going to be reading um, out of the message translation. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So faith is the foundation. That's um, verses one through two. So faith is the foundation to everything in our lives. Without faith, we may as well hang everything up. Like why bother believing if we don't have faith in what we're believing in? So faith is how we believe without seeing. It's how our ancestors were different from everyone else. They had faith in God and they were scoffed at and ridiculed, but they still had faith. You guys, they were like, they had faith when they couldn't see anything. They had faith all the time. And it's like our foundation. Faith is where we need to be, okay, for our, for anything that we're believing in, okay? Like when we believe in God, we have to have faith. Um, so we're going to move on now and we're going to read, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse three. So by faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. So God created our planet and everything on it. So everything that we see on this earth, including ourselves comes from something that we cannot see. Um, you guys, I mean, we can see God, don't get me wrong. Like we can, we can, you know, see wind push things over, but we can't see the wind. Okay. So God is like the wind to us. Okay. Like we can't see him, but we know that he is there because we can see what he does. Okay. So, um, like I said, everything that we see on this earth, including ourselves comes from something that we cannot see. We have faith that God created everything. It takes faith to believe this in a world who teaches us that our world was made by a big bang and we evolved from another species. Like we don't believe these things. We have faith that God created everything. We didn't just happen, but we were made on purpose. We were made to be to trust and have faith in our creator. That's our purpose. That's why we were made. Okay? So, Let's move on to verse four. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. Okay, so you guys remember Cain and Abel, they were brothers, okay? Um... So it may be hard to believe that God would think that one sacrifice is better than another. One offering is better than another. And that may seem extremely harsh at first, but I love the next sentence, okay? He thought it was better because of what Abel believed and not what he brought. Like, have you ever received a gift that came from someone and you just knew that they had really thought about the gift when they purchased it. I have, and it makes that gift so incredibly, 
so incredibly thoughtful and special. Don't get me wrong, I have been grateful for each and every gift that I have received from people, okay? But there are some that you can just tell that they had put so much thought and attention into that gift before they gave it to you. This is what God is saying. He looked at Abel's heart and could tell that he believed in God wholeheartedly and had great faith. Okay, so it when he presented it to God, it meant something to him. Okay, so that's amazing faith as well. So let's read verses five through six. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So Enoch didn't die. (laughs) Um, He just wasn't anymore. Uh, God took him because he pleased God. The eye-opening part of this story is that it is impossible to please God apart from faith. That makes a lot of sense, but it is explained that this is because anyone who wants to approach God must believe that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. We have to believe both of those things which is common sense. Why would we approach God if we didn't really have some belief in him? Um, It makes sense that he would not be pleased with anyone who doesn't believe in him. I mean, I think that he still loves those individuals, but it wouldn't please him, okay? He also, we also need to believe that he will respond to us when we believe in him. Why would we go to him and pray and talk with him if we didn't believe that he will respond? That absolutely would make no sense. We need to believe those things, both of those things, in order to please God. Okay? So we need to approach. We need anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Okay? So, um, I definitely want to please him. And I am so glad that I have the faith that he exists and that he wants to be with me and respond to my needs. Don't you? Okay. So let's read verse seven. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result... His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Okay, so we've all heard this story so many times, okay? Can you imagine being Noah and receiving the instructions that he had received? Can you imagine getting the warning that he had received? Can you imagine how outlandish they all were? I mean, they're in the middle of a desert and he's instructed to build a boat, a humongous boat. 
and that there's going to be enough water to make that boat sail, right? Sounds very outlandish, okay, to a, to a person, all right? Then imagine the ridicule that he was given due to all of those instructions when he obeyed and was faithful and actually followed through with all of that information. So a few months ago, I watched the production that Sight and Sound had made of Noah, and they had broadcasted it for free on TBN station, okay? And it really put into perspective for me how much Noah had really gone through. He was in danger, okay? Like, he was not given supplies because they thought he was crazy, Um He was ridiculed by family and friends. His family was saved. Most of his family was saved um, because they had faith in God. But the wicked people who did not believe and ridiculed him the entire time that he was preparing drowned. In the play, they actually put that part in. I mean, clearly didn't show people drowning, but... They put how they could, when they were in the boat, how Noah and his family um, could hear the people perishing. And I had never thought about that part of the story and how torn that Noah must have felt knowing that he had friends who perished in the flood. And I think about this a lot with salvation Um, I have many friends who I am not quite sure are right with God, and I worry for them. I try to live my life and show them Jesus, and I do share the gift and peace of Jesus, and I pray for them in their hearts. I don't want them to perish, just like the people who drowned in the great flood who had a choice to believe the warnings that God sent to them These friends and acquaintances that I have also have a choice. Um, I can only tell them about Jesus, but they have to make the choice to accept him. I I have to have faith that God means what he says in his warnings and believe him. Okay, so I believe that anyone who doesn't accept Jesus will perish. That's what he tells me, so I believe it. I have that faith. Okay. So, let's move on to verses 8 through 10. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. And by an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. Okay, so Abraham left the only land that he knew to go to a new and unknown land that God had shown to him. And he lived there by faith like a stranger. God had promised him this land. And so Abraham had to have faith that God would not lead him to a place that he should not be. And like the other night, Pastor Shane made a really good point that 
I had not even thought about until until the other night. Abraham was like our first missionary, going to a place that God told him to go to that was not his own. I mean, that's basically what missionaries do, you guys. They go to places that they're not familiar with, that they're strangers to, and they um, they teach others about Jesus. They show them Jesus. So Abraham was going to a place that he didn't know because God told him to. Missionaries go to other lands because God tells them to go to that area. They have faith and they obey. So Abraham, like I said, was our first missionary going to a place that God told him to go that was not his own. And he believed and obeyed and had faith. And then Isaac and Jacob also had this same faith and obeyed. I mean, what an amazing example Abraham was for his son and his grandson. He showed his son what it looks like to have faith in God. And then his son did the same for his son. If he had not obeyed and been faithful, then who knows what our history would look like. I mean, can you imagine if Abraham had never had said to God, man, no thanks. I think I'll stay right here where I'm comfortable. Imagine that. Just think, just let it, just think on it for a few moments. Be maybe a, a very different story. Okay, so let's move on to verses 11 through 12. By faith, barren Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened, that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. Okay. So, we, up to this point, have talked about great men of faith and faithful legacies. But here is a woman who left a faithful legacy as well. She had faith that God told her that she would have a child. And she believed in God and the promise that he had made to her. Um, In my Mother's Day special, um, I had asked my mom about how she had been told that she would not have any children. It would be highly unlikely. And I asked her what advice she had for other women who may have received the same news. And I had never heard her story before. Um, I had only been given the cliff notes, so to speak. Um, She said that she came home and told my dad what the doctor had said. And they prayed about it and were asked within the week to lead the youth group at their church. And they prayed about that and were feeling led to pour their lives into other people's children because they were told by a human doctor that they were more than likely not going to have any children of their own. Um, And they did so and they led a very big youth group. And within a few years, they received the news that they would be having me. Um, Like... God had other plans than a human doctor. Um, They were faithful to God and believed in him and rewarded for their faithfulness. And in Sarah's case, her faithfulness led to her ancestors numbering into the millions more than the stars in the sky. Okay, 
Let's go to verses 13 through 16. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back any time they had wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. So all of these people have had faith in the fact that they were involved in something that was going to be much bigger than them. They had faith in God. They believed in his vision of the world. They knew that they were living for a much better place, heaven. I mean, we need to have faith that there is a heaven. There is something out there that is far better than where we are living right now. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's somewhere better than this world? When we believe in heaven and that this place is only temporary, it makes this place not seem quite as dismal. We know that that where we are going is forever and is far better than this blip on the map for us. Is it hard? Yes. It's a hard place to live. But I am looking forward to a far better place. Okay. Let's read verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this, and this after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. And in a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back, alive from off the altar. So, can you imagine being told that your descendants would come from your one and only son, and then God asks you to offer that one and only son back to God as a sacrifice? Um, Abraham was asked to do that. He had the faith to obey what God had just instructed him to do. So, I remember watching the Bible series and watching this scene. I had always learned about it in Sunday school, but to actually watch it portrayed was such an eye-opener. Abraham and Isaac packed to go on a trip along with servants, and there was going to be a sacrifice made. And he tells the servants to hang back, and he and Isaac would go the rest of the way alone. And when he gets to the altar, Isaac asks where the sacrifice is, and Abraham tells him that God will provide the sacrifice. And Abraham starts to prepare the altar and Isaac's preparing the altar. And then he binds Isaac and places him on the altar. And Isaac is like laying there, like questioning his father the whole time as to what is happening and why he's doing this and what is going to occur and what's going, what's going on. And I'm just very like, I mean, wouldn't you if you were Isaac wouldn't you wonder the same thing like what's your what's my father doing to me you know and 
Then Abraham raises the knife to sacrifice his son. And God calls out and tells Abraham to stop just as he is going to sacrifice Isaac. And off in the distance, there is a ram whose horns are stuck in the thicket. God provided a sacrifice. (coughs) Abraham unties his son and sacrifices the ram. He was so faithful to God and believed in God so much that he would obey any instructions that God would give to him. He believed in God's grand plan. He had faith that God saw the bigger picture and would fulfill his promise to Abraham in some manner. So we need to have faith in God's instructions. We don't always understand why he's asking us to do something. Um, but we just need to do it because God... God knows why he's asking us. Um, We just need to step out in faith and believe that God knows and has a grand plan for our lives. He tells us that in Jeremiah, okay, that he has a big plan for us, a great plan for us. We just need to believe and have faith and do what he tells us to do. Okay, so we're going to read verses 20 through 21. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. And by an act of faith, Jacob on his deathbed blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. So in faith, our ancestors blessed their children who in turn blessed their children's children. And we need to bless our children. We need to have faith in God that he will bless our children. And when we bless our children, then they will bless their children. They will know God and have our faith. And we need to tell our children about our faith in God. I've talked about this before. It's really important. We need to bless them with belief. I've said, like I've said before, we need to be the ones to tell our children about Jesus. It's not our children and youth pastors at church. It's not their job only to teach our children about Jesus. Okay. They only get them for a total of maybe three hours a week. Okay. We have them the rest. It's our job. It's mainly our responsibility. We need to take responsibility for our children. bless we need to bless them okay in verse 22 by an act of faith joseph while dying prophesied the exodus of israel and made arrangements for his own burial so in faith we need to speak the truth when we get the when we're given the chance just like joseph and in verse 23 by an act of faith moses's parents hid him away for three months after his birth They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. So in faith, we need to see our children's potential and encourage it at all times. It's all part of being faithful. Verses 24 through 28. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. 
He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, sort soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the, the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no one, no eye can see and kept right on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. We need to be like Moses and stand up for injustice. We need to have faith that God will tell us when to stand up for injustice and how to fix it. He doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. And um, we need to have faith that when God calls us to it, then he will equip us with all that we need and all of the words to stand up and fight. We need to believe that he will never leave us, that he will walk us through the task at hand. We need to stand up for what we believe in. It's really important. We need to have faith that God will tell us when to stand up. Okay. Verses 29 through 30. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians tried it and drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls fell flat. When God brings us to a task that seems so large and impossible, we need to have the faith that God, that with God, nothing is impossible. We need to know and believe that when we are up against the wall, like the Israelites were at the Red Sea, and the enemy is charging in, that he will make a way. He will part the waters. When the walls seem to be so tall, he will make those walls crumble and tumble to the ground through prayer and fasting. I have had this occur in my life and the view with God after the walls have fallen is simply amazing and beautiful. But we have to have faith that he will make it happen. He will cause those walls to fall. Okay, so verse 31. By an act of faith, Rahab the Jericho harlot welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. Here is another woman who was not a woman of good standing, but she did the right thing and hid the spies who had come to get a look at the promised land. She risked her life and through faith believed the spies when they said that she would always be protected. Even though there was great calamity coming to Jericho, she made it out alive because she believed. Okay, we're going to read verses 32 through 40. I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There are so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrusts, turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, rooted alien ar- routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and, yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. 
Not one of these people, even though their lives of, of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. So none of these great people ever got their hands on the prize, but they all had faith and believed. Their faith got them such a wonderful prize, which is heaven. They suffered greatly for their faith and beliefs, but because of their great faith and belief have been handed down throughout the generation, then we too can have that same faith and belief. We will one day with that same prize of heaven because we have had amazing faith. I want to leave this legacy of faith. I want my daughter to see how much I believed even when I couldn't see anything or feel anything. I want her to see that when there was no answer or no way out of a situation that I had faith in God, that I believed that he would always make a way. I want her to know the stories of when he came through because he always has and he always will. I want to have faith just coming out of my whole being. I want her to know without a shadow of a doubt that her mother believed and had faith beyond measure. I want her to have that same faith. I want this to be my legacy when I'm gone. I want to have the faith of all those who have gone before me. What legacy will you leave behind? If all of the names that I have listed above are a mystery to you, or even if only some of them are, then I encourage you to go back through the Old Testament and read their incredible stories of belief and faith. I am sure that you will resonate with at least one of their stories in some way. There may come a day when we will have to stand up for our faith and beliefs like our ancestors did. I want to be able to do so. I want my faith and belief to be so strong that the initial foundation will not crumble or shake. Even if I don't get my hands on the prize like our ancestors before, it'll be okay. There will not be any loss because heaven will be my grand prize. I want my legacy to be that I believed in a much better place to spend eternity and I shared that grand prize with as many people as possible so that they too can win the prize someday. And I want to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. Is that what you want for your legacy too? I want to thank you for listening. Always remember our purpose for being here, which is to tell as many people about Jesus as we possibly can. And I will talk with you on Monday. Be blessed.